Thank you guys for leading us in worship this morning. Let's see, kiddos, we've got a little something different today. Um, so if those of you who would go to Children's Church, if you would come up with uh, Miss Brenda and I here on the stage, I've got a story to read to you guys. You can sit close to me if you'd like to, Brenda. Yep. Come on, Matthew. Thank you, buddy. Anyone else? Evie? Is she in the nursery? All right. Very good. All right. Oh, that's all right. Well, so um, I wanted to read a story. It's actually the parable that we have this morning to Matthew. Yeah, come on, darling. What's your, what's your frog's name? Um, Purple Light. Purple Light. Very nice. That's excellent. That's a great name. Hi. Yeah, y'all have a seat. Hi. <laughs> um, let's see. I want to read you guys a story that I read to my kids when they were you guys' size. Now they're all like uh, this one. But uh, anyway, this is a story of the precious pearl. Can y'all see the pictures okay? Matthew, can you see it? It doesn't matter. All right. So here goes the story. You ready? This is a story that Jesus told when he was, when he was on earth. Here is a man who buys and sells things. He is called a merchant. He has a fine fur coat and a felt hat with a floppy feather. It is his favorite. You see his floppy hat, his floppy feather with the hat. The house he lives in is huge. He has five floors and a fish pond with a fountain in the front garden. See the fountain? See the little fish there? That's a bird. All right. The fish is in there. I don't know why. The merchant has everything he wants. He has 15 rooms filled with furniture. He has four freezers full of food and three fridges for fizzy drinks. And there is more money under his mattress than you could imagine, more than you could ever imagine, much more. Yes, the merchant has everything he wants. You see all that money under his mattress? Isn't that cool? All right. Until one day, in a shop window, he sees something, something special. It's a wonderful white pearl. See how pretty that is? $500,000, says the man in the shop. It is even more money than the merchant has under his mattress, but he wants that pearl more than anything else in the world. He hurries home. He has a plan. He sells his furniture, his fridges, and his freezers full of food. He sells his house, his fountain, and his fish pond, even his fish. He sells his fine fur coat, but the felt hat with the floppy feather he keeps. It is his favorite. He borrows a wheelbarrow and bundles in the money. Off to the shop he walks to buy the precious pearl. Oh, dear, he is still $6 short. Sell me your hat for $6, says the man in the shop. The merchant laughs. He hands the man his, shop, his hat and takes the pearl. Hooray, the pearl is his at last. Jesus says, God is like the merchant's pearl. It costs everything to know him, but he is worth more than anything in the world. And look at the man going off with his pearl. What's he doing? He's hopping, he's jumping because he's so happy that he got his pearl, isn't he? All right. Well, that's the story. Did you all like it? All right. Well, let's pray together. Can you all pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you are um, worth everything to know. That, Father, above everything else, Lord, you are um, our, our most prized possession. To know you, Lord God, to love you is better than anything else that we're going to find in this world. 
I pray for these kiddos, Lord God, that they would find you, um, their treasure um, in their lifetime. And, uh, Lord, we, we lift them up to you. We ask for, uh, for help to their parents as they raise them and uh, to point them in the right direction, to mold them into, um, into people who love and serve you. It's in Jesus' great name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to my story today. Y'all can go on with Brenda to Children's Church and have a good time, okay? All right. Thanks. <coughs> I have, um, I love this book so much that all of you who have children between the ages of about four and eight, I bought you a copy. So come see me after church. I'd like to give you one. Um, I loved reading this, these stories, these parables from, um, from, um, that Jesus told and the way that they put it in the book is so great for kids and just really gets the point across about this, um, uh, about the, the Savior who seeks for us and, and, uh, and the, the, the God that is our treasure. Amen. All right, so we've been talking. Let me just give you a quick update from last week and what we're going to talk about today. So we talked about last week um, a little bit. We just read the, the very last verse here about, um, about the, uh, John the Baptist, what Jesus said about John the Baptist, said that, um, that, that um, men had come and taken hold of the kingdom of God and were advancing uh, the kingdom of God. And um, so that's what we talked about, that the kingdom of God is supposed to be, is to be taken hold of, that it's to be grasped that it's to be held onto, that, that, um, that, that men and women, for, for that matter, are supposed to take hold of this, of this great reign and this great rule of God, and especially in regards to salvation, that God, through His rule and His reign, has made provision for us to be saved and have forgiveness for our sins, and that we're supposed to not only just not let that just be our pastime, not let that just be something that we do in our spare time, but we're supposed to grab hold of this and even advance it in the lives of our families and our co-workers and, and the society around us to advance the kingdom of God. But not only that, what we were talking about in the parable that I read today is that the, the kingdom of God is not just to be taken hold of and advanced, but it's also to be treasured. Um, you remember in J- Jesus was talking on, the, uh, on the, um, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. He was talking in, in Matthew chapter 6, and he was talking about anxiety. He was talking about worry. And he said, he said, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. But seek first, what? The kingdom of God. So, so the kingdom of God is supposed to be, you know, of higher priority than even our concern for our own lives, even our concern about what we're going to eat and where we're going to live and what we're going to wear, all those things. It's supposed to be higher priority. But let me tell you this. You and I can make priorities in our lives, but ultimately our priority is always going to go, our highest priority is always going to go to what we treasure the most. And I think the parables that Jesus is going to tell today is going to talk about this. Listen, the kingdom of God is something to be ob- obtained. It's something that you want. It's something you want to grab hold of yourself. You want to know and, and dive in and let the gospel you know, fill not just your head but your heart also for you to, to really dive in and come to believe all that the Bible says about Jesus taking away all of your sins, everyone, and that, that, that there is no conda- condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, and there is no more shame, and there is no more guilt for us, because he's completely taken it away, and all the things that the gospel buys us, you want to know, and you want to learn this on your own, you want to spend time in the word, researching, and knowing, and understanding, and applying the gospel to your life more, and more, and more, you know, 
repairing and, and letting the Lord repair all the damage that was done in, 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 in your soul and in my soul from sin. And the time before the Lord we call quiet time, but we ought to think of it as a, as a restoration time. That's a time when, when God can, can renew and make truth where there's falsehood in our own hearts and our own lives. Things that we, we think we believe in our heads, but we don't really believe in our hearts. Um, all that to say the kingdom of God is something to be grasped, but not only that, it's something to be treasured above everything else. That's, what he's, that's uh, I think, the lesson of the parables that we're going to read today. In Matthew, starting in verse, we're going to read Matthew chapter 13. If you have your Bibles with you, 13th chapter of uh, the book of Matthew. The first parable is one verse, and then the second one is two verses. So we're going to read the first one and then uh, kind of talk about it a little bit before we read the second one. So Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven... Is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. I love that parable. I love this one because I, uh, whenever, whenever I read this, it, it reminds me that, um, you know, it says, so let's talk about this. The kingdom of heaven is what? The treasure in the field. Okay, so, so apparently what Jesus is telling about in just a simple story here, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in a field. So it's like a man was walking across the field, stumbled across a treasure in a field, in a field and it was hidden there, right? And so to obtain the treasure, he went and sold what? Everything, all that he had, everything that made up his consistence in this life, and he sold it all so that he could buy the field with the hidden treasure. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like this, right? It, it's something to be valued. It's something to be treasured. It's something where, where you and I would say, I would give everything else in this life if I could have this. I would give everything to have the kingdom of God. I would give everything to know Jesus' salvation. I would, I would give everything if I could know what it meant for my sins to be done away with. I would give everything to know what it would be like to, to, be, to be declared righteous because of what Jesus Christ has done and has imputed his life over mine so that when the Father looks at me, he doesn't see my sin and he doesn't feel my, my failures and he doesn't see the holes in my heart that need to be filled, but instead he sees the life of Christ. We sang last week one of my favorite hymns, Behold, uh, Before the Lamb, I'm sorry, Before the Throne of God Above. And it talks about Jesus Christ standing before the throne of God, standing between me and God, and Jesus Christ there interceding for me on my behalf, covering over my sins, covering over the darkness of my heart and the darkness of my thoughts, and Him interceding there for my Father, declaring me righteous because of what He did. Amen? That's, uh, that's a good deal, isn't it? That's, a, that's an amazing thing. Oh, that I might know that more in my life. Oh, that it might, might change me more because of what the Lord Jesus Christ would do, has done. And that all the rest of, this, of, the, con- of the confusion and the chaos in my life be set aside because this is what's most valuable in my life. It's the most valuable of any possession that I have. This is it. This one thing that I might have and know the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing greater in this life. Amen. One of the things that Jesus taught about the kingdom of God is those who inherit the kingdom of God in this life have it in the next. You with me? It's good to find the kingdom of God in this life. All right, so the kingdom of God is, a, is the treasure. The kingdom of God in this parable is the treasure. The kingdom of God is, is shown to be of higher value than everything else that the man owns. Um, 
we're to seek God as it's as though as, as it is our most valuable possession. And and listen, even if the, the the kingdom of God were to cost you everything, you and I are to are to believe and to treasure it so much that we say it's worth it. It's worth it all to know Him. It's worth it all to receive forgiveness. It's worth it all to have to come, be able to come and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. It's worth it all to have my relationship with my heavenly Father restored through the blood and the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, one of the things I want to encourage you to do um, from today is this. I want to encourage you to read stories, biographies about people who believe this and lived it out. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, wanna, I want you to read stories about, about people like William Carey. William Carey was, was, was called the father of missionaries. He's one of the first missionaries to go out from England. He left the comfort of his home, the comfort in England, to go to India back in the 17, 18, early 1800s. And there he, he was a talented linguist. He actually translated the Bible in multiple tongues in his lifetime, and he went there as a missionary. He, he established orphanages there and, and, uh, as long as he lived because you, you know that uh, some, even today what India believes sometimes about, about human life is not the Christian belief about Hindu, human life um, in Hinduism. Um, but what he believed about human life, he established orphanages for those kid children who were, who were discarded. But he believed that the kingdom of God was worth it. He believed that, the, that these kids, and to be able to bring them into the kingdom, it was worth leaving the comfort of his own home. And of course, we've got a couple of thousand years of, of Christian history where we had you know, men like Jim Elliott who, who went to Wheaton College and as a college student started formulating this idea of reaching an unreached people group. He had a passion for it, and he researched, and he and some other brothers got together, and some of them fellow college students, some of them other people, uh, uh, a mission aviation fellowship missionary just like Mike and Cheryl Schutz um, uh, named Nate Saint, and, and he, uh, he, Jim Elliott and Nate and three other missionary friends, they got together and they started making plans on, on how they were going to reach this, this group of people in South America known as the Aka Indians, and um, and, and they started making plans to reach them. But this tribe was known as being terribly brutal, cannibalistic even, and very violent toward outsiders. And, and that's why the gospel had never been taken to them. And I, I remember I, back in college, I got copies. I, I bought a, a book that was his journals. And I can remember his writing. People were warning them, don't go because they will likely kill you. And Jim Elliott wrote in his journal, I would gladly give my life for these people. It was almost prophetic, wasn't it? Because Jim and, 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 and all four of the other missionaries did. They gave their lives in trying to reach that people group. They killed them whenever they landed there um, in 1956. But what's amazing is this. Because of their sacrifice, so the, two, of the, two of the widowed ladies went back to the tribe a year or two later and actually uh, brought several of the men that had killed their husbands to faith. They even established a, a school where people, people could be taught of this great kingdom of God and they'd be, they could be taught of the gospel. But it was all because of men like Jim Elliott and Nate Saint and three others that said, the kingdom of God is worth it all. It's worth it all. Jim Elliott is famous for writing this. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So true. One of my favorite of kind of more modern history. Anybody seen the movie Chariot of Fire from back in 1980s? Chariot of Fire, anyone? Yeah, 
Dun, 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 dun. Even if you've never seen the movie, you know the theme song, right? We could all sing it here. Um, Chariots of Fire, 1980, a story of an of a, uh, Olympic athlete in the 1920s named Eric Little. He was from Scotland, um, well, kind of from Canada. Uh, his heritage was from Scotland. A lot of great um, Christians came out of Scotland, I tell you what. Um, anyway, um, after he had finished, yes, <laughs> after he had finished, Kathy's very excited anytime we talk about those, any land across the, the pond. Um, uh, so um, uh, Eric Little, whenever he finished his, his, uh, his parents were missionaries in China. Whenever he finished his uh, running in the Olympics, whenever he finished um, his education, he was encouraged to go back and try out for the Olympics again. But he decided, he decided that, no, he had done what God had called him to do. And he, and he spoke all across the United States after his performance in the Olympics. And uh, they encouraged him to stay for the next Olympics. But he said, no, God's called me back to China. And he went to China, back to China in 1925. He and his children were there in, in 1941 when the Japanese started to invade mainland China. And all of the British citizens and all the Canadians and everyone else were being encouraged to leave mainland China as the Japanese forces invaded uh, Eric Little sent all his wife and children back to their home, homeland in, in Canada while he stayed there to minister and to teach the Bible, to teach the gospel in mainland China. In 1943, he was taken into a prisoner of war camp. And there he became, you know, in that prisoner of war camp, you had all these people that were interned by the Japanese there in, in China. And there were lots of children there without their parents. And Eric Little saw himself, viewed himself not as a great Olympic athlete, but as a, as a father figure for these children in this internment camp that needed him. It wasn't until the 1980s Olympic, Jonathan, I can't recall, that, was, that happened in China. Do you recall? That the... Uh, uh, or maybe Japan. Oh, goodness, I can't remember. Maybe it was Japan. That, that uh, some records were dredged up from World War II where they discovered that Eric Little had been given an opportunity to leave the, the, the prison camp. But he gave that opportunity up to a lady who was pregnant, and he stayed there so that she could have an opportunity to escape the POW camp and that he could remain to be a father figure for those children and to continue to teach them and to give them hope in the, in the God of the Scriptures that they might know and trust and believe in him. Amazing. He treasured the kingdom of God above everything else, and he gave his life for it. He died of a brain tumor in, uh, in, uh, in, Chinese, in, that, in that Japanese uh, POW camp. Amazing. Listen, I want to encourage you, if you haven't picked up a biography in some time, man, there are incredible stories. There are people who will absolutely fill your faith up about people who recognize the kingdom of God is worth everything else. Amen? It's the most prized possession that I have. It's like that treasure in the field I'd be willing to give up everything for. Listen, there's a lot of confusion and chaos in our lives. We have a lot of possessions that sometimes end up possessing us. Don't let, don't let your heart be fooled. Don't let your mind be, be fooled. The most treasured possession you have is the kingdom of God and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me, uh, we're going to read then these next couple of verses here about the, the parable that I just read to the kids with the parable of the, of the, of the merchant and the, and the precious pearl. So verses 45 and 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Okay. So you remember, so this is very, there's two ways to interpret this. Actually, both of these parables, perhaps. One is, is that the same, that this basically teaches the same lesson as the previous one. However, 
it's interesting. Um, uh, well, maybe a couple things. Jesus didn't necessarily say all these parables at one time. Matthew combined all these kingdom parables into one place. They're not like that in some of the other gospels, and actually in some of the other gospels, they're not these same parables are in different different gospels. But anyway, um, they didn't all necessarily go exactly together. But listen, in the first parable that I read, the kingdom of heaven was what? The treasure, right? It was the treasure in the field. Look with me in this one. Again, the kingdom of God is like, a merchant. Was it the pearl? Look with me. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. It's a little different, isn't it? So here it's the merchant buying, the selling everything to buy the pearl. In the previous one, the kingdom of God was like the treasure that, was, that had been bought. It's an interesting difference, and, and perhaps it means nothing, but perhaps, perhaps it means something else. Perhaps it means, perhaps Jesus told this parable differently than the, than the treasure in the, in the field parable for this. Maybe the reason he's saying it this way is maybe the kingdom of heaven is like the merchant because maybe the merchant is the Lord Jesus Christ who goes and gives everything he has to obtain the precious pearl. In that parable, What's the precious pearl? Who's the precious pearl? You and me. Maybe that's how we read that. And, and actually, you could take either parable either way, and it depends on who you read um, as to, to which it is. But, but get this. If the kingdom of God is the merchant who gives everything to buy the precious pearl, then that would be a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ who gave up everything he had who sacrificed everything, and he did it joyfully and, and, and wantingly and, and, and according to his own will and his own desire that he might obtain you. In that case, it would be like the parable, some of the parables in some of the other Gospels in Luke where, where um, Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a, a woman who had ten silver coins and she lost one. And she, she swept her house and she looked everywhere until what? until she found that one missing coin. Or the kingdom of God is like a, a man who had a hundred sheep and, and one went missing, and so he what? He left the 99 until he found the one lost sheep. If that's the case, then in this parable, it is the Lord Jesus Christ who gives everything to find us. Amen? Either way... It's a treasured kingdom, isn't it? Either way that you read it, it's, it's something, it's the greatest possession that you and I have. It's the greatest thing that we know. It's, it's the greatest pursuit. It, it, it's the highest uh, uh, thing that we could attain in this life is to know and to be in and to partake in the kingdom of God and to hope and pray and tell that other people find it. Amen? There is nothing greater. Amen? It is a treasured kingdom. So the lessons of our parables today, I think there are two. First, the kingdom of God is a treasure more valuable than anything else. Two, the kingdom of God is about a Savior who made the supreme sacrifice for his people. Amazing. Two simple parables tell some incredibly um, deep truths about God and his kingdom and um, something that, that tells us something about um, what we're supposed to value and how valuable what we have is. Amen? 
So let's do this. I want to close in just a word of prayer. But um, what I want to do this morning, if you would bow your heads and close your eyes, what I want to do this morning is to, re- is to ask you this morning, if someone were looking from the outside in, what would they see that you valued? What would they see that you treasured? Would they know that you treasure the kingdom of God? Would they know that it's important to you? Would they know not, not just that it's a priority in your life, not that just, you know, that you get up for church or, or, or you read your Bible, but would they know that it, it comes from the heart? You know, the kingdom of God and this treasuring is, a, is not just a matter of priorities. It's a matter of heart. It's a matter of, of desire. It's a matter of what you want and what you and I want. Would they know that the kingdom of God is treasured by you? Lord, I pray sometimes, um, boy, so many times I find that my, my appetite or my desire for you is lacking. And, I, and I, I know I want it to be true in my heart. I want to desire your kingdom and your kingdom to come in my life and my children and my family and my society more than anything else. But, Father, too many times my actions reveal um, that I just have a haphazard approach. I just have a, a half-hearted uh, um, love for your kingdom and your rule and your reign and, and the salvation that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ and the, the things of this life do, just like we read in the parable of the four soils, the, the, the concerns, the worries of this life tend to choke out my desire for you. So, Lord, I pray, change our hearts. Help us to desire you and to treasure you more than anything else. Help us to desire and treasure you like we should, Lord God, like you are the most important thing because you are the most important thing. Give us a greater love for you. And in the end, Lord, we ask for a greater love for you because we know that you loved us first, that you demonstrated your love for us first, that the reason why we treasure you is because you have treasured us. We were lost and you gave up everything to win us back. You you gave up everything to reconcile us to yourself. You sent your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he gave up his life, and he suffered, and he gave his life on our behalf that we might know your salvation. So, Father, what can we do? May we be like Jim Elliott who said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Lord, help us gain your kingdom. We pray this morning, your kingdom come. Let me just encourage you as you're sitting there, just, just to ask, Lord, just to utter that prayer, Lord, it, just, just in your own life, in your own heart, just to ask him, Lord God, bring your kingdom to my life. Bring a, a greater love, a greater treasuring of your kingdom and your gospel into my life. Just there, just between you and the Lord this morning. Heavenly Father, help us. Help us to have a greater love for you. Help us to have a greater desire for you, Lord God. Help us to treasure you, Lord God, like you deserve. And I pray, Lord God, when people around us see it, they would know too that you are the treasure hidden in the field. It's worth giving up everything else to obtain. May they see a passion in our lives, a passion in our hearts to know you and to have you more and more in our lives and our hearts, to know your salvation better, to apply it more and more in our lives. Lord God, I pray, help us. It's in Jesus' great name we pray. Amen. 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 Lord bless you. Thanks for being here today. I pray you would treasure the kingdom of God this week. Amen. I feel it in my bones.